Welcome to the Changing Construction podcast brought to you by Mail Manager, the email management solution developed by Arup. It's Chris from Mail Manager here, and I'm joined by Paul Johnston, the founder of 4S Bid Limited, a full service tender bid consultancy headquartered in Glasgow. Paul has over 10 years of experience in senior procurement roles across the public sector in financial services. And we're going to chat today about the steps you can take to build a pipeline and a repeatable system so you can successfully bid for contracts again and again. But first, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for the invitation. No worries at all. So I think a good starting point would be if you could tell us a bit about your journey to date. Certainly I will do, thanks. So, yeah, my my uh, background, uh, as Chris has said, I, I've been in procurement for the last sort of 12 years <clears throat> and um, been in various kind of senior roles, um, predominantly in public sector uh, in Scotland and also in financial services. So I've started off with a collaborative procurement agency in Scotland that organise uh, framework agreements for the universities and colleges sector in Scotland um, and I put a number of large kind of framework agreements in place there mainly across facilities management estates and buildings uh, contracts. I was then head of procurement at a local college um, and I procured a large construction project uh, £83 million so that that involved the procurement of the design team, the legal team, the financial team, and also the main contractor. Um, And that also included a large programme of community benefits or social value for for the college and the wider sector. I then spent some time with um, Standard Life in Edinburgh and also the Clydesdale and Yorkshire Bank Group, which is now Virgin Money um, in Glasgow. Uh, and I was a category manager there looking at the estates and also the big four kind of spend, uh, your audit um, and that kind of thing. And then I've moved to University of Glasgow, which is the second biggest university in Scotland. Um, and I was the category manager there looking at the, again, construction uh, lead advisor and works related contracts predominantly of quite large values. And then um, I took the decision to set up 4S bid um, in October last year. Um, The idea being with that is to help share my knowledge and my insights from the procurement side and help companies who want to win more of these contracts more often. Okay, great. Well, thanks for that. And um, I guess the main reason we're we're talking today and that this uh, podcast topic is relevant is that in order to grow businesses need to win new clients and contracts so I'm going to open up with your thoughts on what the key challenges and frustrations around bidding are today. Yeah sure um, and I can see this from uh, my years of experience in procurement and seeing um, the bids that come in uh, during procurement processes and speaking to suppliers so some of the key challenges I think that they face particularly in the public sector, um, is the bureaucracy or the perceived bureaucracy. So there's lots of rules and guidelines and processes and complex, overly complex terminology that even particularly small businesses, but even some more established businesses um, 
just don't understand or they don't have the resources in-house or the expertise in-house to really focus on it. So you'll find that um, across the public sector in the UK, a lot of the contracts go to the same suppliers because those are the guys who have the in-house team's net expertise to really get to know this stuff. So I would say those are the biggest challenges when it comes to bidding, particularly in the public sector. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, well, before we start going through sort of like the main process steps then, um, you mentioned there just about the size of company having a direct impact, I guess, on on the success of bidding. So for for smaller companies, you might not have that in-house resource. What steps could they put in place then to, to compete against companies that do? So that's where companies like 4S Bid are here to help companies um, who don't have in-house resource. And really what what our ethos here at 4S Bid is about helping businesses get ahead of the competition. So it's taking a systemised and logical process to help you win contracts more often. And that might be if you've got little or no experience of previously bidding for contracts, then starting off small and perhaps looking at opportunities that you might not identify as being core opportunities, but it helps you build your your in-house knowledge and your expertise and also your kind of experience of bidding for these contracts more yeah. often. Yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, I guess let's start at the very beginning, um, okay. b- building a pipeline. So if a company came to you, um, where where would you like point them in the direction of when it comes to building a pipeline? Okay. And again, what I would say is probably easier to build a pipeline within the public sector, but it's also with if companies are looking uh, to build pipelines or win contracts in the private sector, it's more of a manual process of understanding who it is you want to work for and then doing your research on those companies. With the, with the public sector, a lot of this information is available online because of the, the nature that the public sector have to be open, fair and transparent. So a lot of the information is available. So what you should do to start with, I think, is have a think about what contracts or which, if it's clients, if you want to target particular clients or particular sectors, think about which clients or sectors it is you want to target. Maybe perhaps it's a geographical thing. So perhaps you want to work in London or Glasgow or Edinburgh or wherever it is. So think about that. Identify the clients within those regions or sectors and then use available information. So if it's uh, the UK, there there are various public portals. So uh, in the UK or down in England, predominantly the main one is Contracts Finder. Uh, In Scotland, there's a portal called Public Contract Scotland, and in Wales, there's one called Sell to Wales. So these are where all kind of main public uh, contracts are advertised, and also they advertise the award notices, so that tells you who wins the contracts. So what you can do from there is build up an understanding of when the contract was last awarded, what the value was and who won it. And what that lets you then do is think, when will this come back out for tender? And also, it, it, it also advertises things like 
prior information notices. So these are contracts that aren't yet available, but they're letting you know that they're coming soon, so be prepared for that. On top of that, I would advise that you could then uh, uh, do your research in terms of looking at, you know, if it's a local authority's website um, or a university's website, there's lots of information on these that tell you when those organisations are looking to tender for work. So it might be a year, two, three, four years from now, but it lets you build that pipeline so that you're prepared and ready for it when it comes out and you're not waiting till, you know, 30 days when you've got a tender uh, due back and you've not got any time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, is, is there anything you could recommend on sort of like before you actually do that research on how, how do you actually know who to do the research about when it comes to like what persona should you even be going after? So again, this I think this is an important thing for businesses to think about. Um, within, I, I speak to a number of businesses and business owners and even, you know, well-established businesses and, and they want to, they think that they want to win public sector work. But when I ask them, you know, what sectors or why do they want to work in these sectors? It's just, I don't get the feeling that they've thought it through and really aligned that to their business. Um, so it's thinking about, you know, why why do you want to work in a university or college sector? Do you have skills within your business or experience within your business that can be transferred into those sectors? Um, is it going to be profitable for you? That's important. You know, it's got to be a profitable uh, piece of work for you. Um, but also the thing that I would say um, that I've, I've said to a number of people before is that you need to raise your profile with the client. So if you have never made yourself known to the client before a tender lands on their desk, the chances are you're not going to be as successful as you should be. Um, yeah. And that, that's from my own experience in procurement where, you know, I, I've said to people, I, I've never, and it may just be myself, I've never awarded a contract to a company who I hadn't at least heard of before the tender process was uh, run or someone else within the organisation. So the budget holder or the key stakeholder had heard of before the process started. So you need to do your research on the client, but you also need to make yourself known to the client so that, you know, you've got a better opportunity going forward. Yeah, sure. And and what could you give any examples about what that actually involves? Like, what, what could you do to make make yourself known? Yeah. So um, there's there's different ways of tackling that. I think from if you start at, at the beginning, you know, really making yourself known on things like social media, so LinkedIn, connecting with people. So let's take it if if it's a particular. Um, estates contract or a construction contract or a facilities contract, find out who the the relevant directors or stakeholders within target organisations are. And again, you can do that by going on LinkedIn or onto the organisation's website. You, you'll find lots of this information on there. So, so take that and then start to think about, you know, how could we align our services or our business to that organisation? So again, Things that are available online might be, you know, an organisation's strategy. So let's say it was a sustainability product or service that your business have or an energy product or service. 
you might want to look at their estate strategy, their sustainability strategy, their energy strategy to make yourself more informed. So find that information out, have a look at it and think how can we align our service or how could we promote our business to that client and then try and get your yourself known to them. So find out maybe what events that they go to or could you organise an event that you could invite them to or could you get a one-to-one with them out with a tender process? Um, and what I would advise there is target the stakeholders, so the the people like the state's directors or, or the, the energy managers or what have you, rather than the procurement teams, because the procurement teams, are, they, they don't really want to speak to people uh, out with procurement processes. So try and speak to the, the key decision makers, I would say. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I'd be I'd be keen to get your perception on when it comes to doing that research. Off, more often than not, how good do you think companies are actually doing that, or do you think there's a danger of just jumping in too early where you haven't necessarily aligned your goals with your target's goals? Yeah, I think that's something that's abundantly clear to a client. So I, I've right. run a number of procurement processes from very small values to quite large values, like 83 million and, and beyond. And I think the one thing that you can see from companies who are successful to companies who are not successful, the key difference really is their entire approach. So mm. not just the bid that lands on the desk, but the, the steps that they take to understand the client before the process, ask questions during the process, you know, find out information that can then feed into their bid. All of that is is very important. The thing that companies who fail to win more often than not do is they, they either don't align their solution to the client's needs in a compelling way that is easy to understand in a written bid, or they send in almost generic tender responses that you, you could almost imagine they would write yeah. the same thing again and again and again for every tender and not put too much differentiating information in. So that's the thing that, and it really does frustrate the client because they they want to know why, why would I pick you over your competitor? And it's really about how businesses sell their story in a compelling way yeah, to the client. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because if you, if you flip it around to the other way from the client's point of view, I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating when they get a tender on their desk and it's just generic stuff and doesn't really yeah. relate to what they yeah. actually want to do. And I think as well on that, if, if there was five bids, probably three or four of them would say, you know, we are the best at this or we are number one in the market for that. Or, yeah. you know, they all say something along the lines, but the one who will win is the one that subtly says that, but more importantly will say, we understand your problem or we know what the solution is that you need and, and sell it in the right way. Yeah, I think that that's really great advice there. Um, so I guess once, the, once you've got a pipeline in place, um, I want to chat a little bit about the lessons you can learn from previous tenders and then yeah. the next steps you can take on how to build from that. Okay, yeah. So I think one, one of the absolutely fundamental parts of any uh, good best practice process 
when when you you are involved in bidding for tenders is that you must ask for feedback mm. no matter if you win or you lose you must win you must ask for feedback um, because otherwise you don't know what went well what went wrong you know and how to build uh, for the future and i think one of the the kind of key services that 4S bid is going to offer or does offer to to clients is that we we can give you an independent perspective of of that and particularly at this time where you know perhaps the the pipeline of tenders uh, or live opportunities has kind of slowed down a little bit this is a great time for businesses to look at some past tenders particularly where they've perhaps not been successful and think where could we have improved so take the feedback from the procurement team uh, and take yourself away from the equation because it can be difficult to you're passionate about your business perhaps you wrote the tender or you were involved in it and you kind of get emotionally attached to that so take a step back at this moment in time have a look at it did you understand uh, the requirements of the tender did you answer the questions that were asked? Now, this is something that I, I think is very important. Did you answer the question that was asked in the tender or did you give the answer that you wanted to give? I think mm-hmm. that's one thing where companies fail as well. Um, and that's a kind of fundamental. If you think of a tender as an exam, you must answer the exam question. Uh, otherwise, you, you'll never be successful. So, so take that information and then always think to the future. So industries and markets never stand still. And particularly when we come out of this uh, pandemic, things will have changed. The way we work will change. Um, things like we can already see in tenders, um, there's more questions now about business continuity and methodologies about how you're going to work around you know, social distancing and, and that kind of thing and how that all affects your supply chain. So always think to the future and how you can adapt and evolve your service. And as I say, that's something that I'm uh, quite happy to to help um, companies with at this moment in time. Yeah, I think that's that's a fascinating point about, um, well, the uncertain time we're in at the moment. I mean, how, slightly off topic here, but how, uh, how's the companies that you're currently working with sort of adapting their approach to what's going on at the moment? So yeah, I'm working with, uh, particularly, as I say, within uh, the facilities management sector at the moment uh, and kind of refurbishment contracts. Uh, And what we are seeing is there's uh, questions being asked now about methodologies and method statements about when you were be on site, you know, how are you going to uh, take on board the government's current advice about um, coronavirus measures and uh, social distancing and how are you going to build that into your method statements for actually mm. performing works now that might be a temporary thing until uh, we come out of lockdown and we see what the government advice is going forward but I can imagine things like uh, business continuity how you're going to perhaps adapt the way that you work to deliver contracts how that feeds down to your supply chain these are all things that you're going to have to think about. Um, even, you know, business continuity in the, the sense of, you know, we're all working from home now. We're all using 
um, like webinars and you know the way of the, the way of working that we we were used to has now kind of changed. And I think that might change permanently. Yeah. So it's how how businesses best adapt and how they make that transition into the service or the product that they provide to their client. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think obviously the same applies to all, all sectors, but in particular in the industry that we work in construction, I think that's going to be really prominent because, well, firstly, it's seen as a pretty slow to digitize industry compared to others, but yeah. also obviously a lot of the work is, is on site. So things yeah. like social distancing and stuff, stuff like that, I'm sure is going to be a really hot topic for, for Absolutely. in the future. Yeah. And I would say even if, even if, uh, anyone listening to this uh, is working on tenders at the moment, e- even if the question is not specifically asked about, you know, social distancing or coronavirus or business continuity, I would say that better tenders or better responses probably should, and they should take the lead on that, like the client, the, the business who's bidding for that should take the lead on that and really put it into their tenders to make the buyer aware that you're forward thinking and you're thinking about these things uh, to really enhance yeah. the service that you offer yeah yeah absolutely so just back back to the actual bidding process now um so we've got the pipeline in place you've done the like a holistic approach in terms of research and targeting and you're learning from feedback based on previous tenders but what are the steps then you need to take to build a repeatable system so you can bid over and over again? And yeah. what's the impact of getting that wrong in terms of like how time consuming can it be if, if you don't have that process in place? Okay. So I think what, what I'm trying to do here, and hopefully this is coming across, is that within 4S bid, the, the ethos is that you create a systemized approach to bidding. So the fundamental aspect of that is building up what we call a bid library. So every tender, whether it's private or public sector, normally revolves around the same kind of standard information. So it will look at your financial history, your experience, uh, the people that work for your business. So CVs, um, it will ask for accreditations. um, And then within the tender process itself, it will ask for things like method statements, you know, innovation, who your supply chain are, um, and things like social value and uh, community benefits and sustainability. So these are all the kind of key fundamental questions or or topics. So what we are trying to promote is that rather than doing, starting from the beginning again and again and again, what you should do is create a bid library of good quality content and you use the feedback from previous tenders to, to start as your starting point. And then from there, you're not starting again from scratch every tender. Because during the tender process, particularly if you're not proactive, like we've been talking about, and you don't know about an opportunity coming up, you might know about a tender when it hits a portal. And predominantly within the public sector, you might get you know 30 days to respond or a little bit longer. If it's if it's a larger value tender, but not really that big a, a time. If if it's a big contract and it's something that you really want to win, and you may have to then look about for people 
the right people, the right resources uh, to to put the bid together, but also to quality check it and what have you. So what I'm saying is if, if you can start from a base where you know you've got good quality content and then it takes away the pressure of you know finding that information every time, yeah. that puts you in a great position to really then focus on refining that bid each time and, and putting your your take on what that specific client needs for, for that uh, specific project. And then at the end, you build on your the feedback that you received, do a, a lessons learned, uh, and then build in that lessons learned uh, content into your bid library so that the next time you're continually evolving. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I just want to briefly touch on retaining existing contracts with existing clients as well. Sure. How, how would the approach differ with your current clients compared to going after new business? So that's interesting. And I think I've seen two different approaches to this. I think sometimes you can see it where clients who have the existing contract become complacent. And they think that because they're the incumbent, they'll automatically win the next time. Now, that's not always the case. And I would say there is a perception from businesses who perhaps haven't won contracts or, or haven't bid for contracts before that they'll just not bother because the incumbent will get it. And it's just, you know, it's a waste of time us doing that. I, I don't agree with that. I think that, you know, clients are always looking to innovate or, or change or, or improve. So if a contract, particularly framework contracts where they could be in place for four, five, six years, at the end of that, the, the market's moved in that last four or five years. So clients are looking to refresh and make sure that they're, they're at the top of their game as well. So I think the thing for incumbent contractors or suppliers is to make sure that you don't sit on your laurels and, and think that you'll get the next contract mm. always look particularly use the last 12 months of a contract if it's a framework or use the kind of renewal period to, to influence your client to, to think about what new innovations are out there in the market perhaps do things like briefing papers or or do a session where you know you invite them to either a site or your location or what have you and do some you know, information sessions about what's happening in the market and how you can improve for the next iteration of the contract. So do not look, do not just think that you'll get the next contract just because you've got this one. Yeah, I think that's uh, obviously a, a dangerous path to fall into. But yeah, yeah. Um, what, how often do you see that happening? Um, I would say that, I would say more often than it should, I would say uh, clients who have been incumbents um, and you can see it in their tender responses and your, their approach to the tender, they perhaps don't do the basics. Like, for example, if there's a bidder session to introduce what the procurement process is going to be, they perhaps don't turn up or they send people that maybe aren't as senior that, that shows not a lack of respect, but just that they're, they're, they think that they've, they've got it already sort of thing. Yeah, or if there's site visits, yeah. yeah. If there's site visits, they don't turn up to site visits or, 
you know, because they, they think that they know the site or they know mm. the, the organisation and they don't need to see it. But simple things like that uh, go a long way. So yeah. I think more often it's, it happens more than it should, really. If, if done correctly, is it easier to retain an existing contract then? It, it absolutely should be easier. Uh, and it is easier as long as you, you, you have a good process and you don't take things for granted. So if you think about it, and one of the, the other kind of key messages I try and get across is put yourself in the buyer's position. So if the buyer uh, or the procuring organisation receives multiple bids, they're looking to see, they're looking to reduce their risk. So that comes back to making yourself known to the client. But they don't want to, they, they have to evaluate the bids that they receive based on the criteria that they've set. So whether you know the client or not, you have to answer the, those questions. But if you've got the inside knowledge, if you've had the contract for the last four or five years, and also if you're influencing the client uh, in the last year, as I've just said, then really you've got one step ahead of the rest of the competition. So really what you have yeah. to do then is just play it straight back to the, the client, tell them exactly what they want to hear, all the things that you've already told them, and you know, do the basics well, and I think you've got a great chance of retaining the contract. Okay, that's some really great advice there. Thanks, thanks very much. Thank um, we'll, we'll share your contact details as well in the podcast notes, so anyone who needs advice can, can get in touch with you. But um, I just want to finish with some actionable advice that our listeners can take away from this. So if I said to you, what are the top three things people can do today to improve their bidding, um, what would you say? Sure. So number one, I think, is definitely do your research. So don't wait to um, be alerted to opportunities. Do your research, be proactive, build that pipeline. So that's number one. Number two, um, raise your profile with clients. So we, we touched on that earlier. So if the client doesn't know who you are or they're not sure what services or goods that you provide, it's unlikely, more often than not, it's unlikely that you're going to be successful. So be proactive, raise your profile, make yourself known. That's number two. And finally, number three, I would say create a systemized process. Like we've been talking about, um, have good quality content, but also think about a bid, no bid process. So, you know, before you launch into having, uh, going into uh, tenders, think about, is this right for us? And if it is, go for it. And if it's not, don't go for it because the best thing you could maybe do in that situation is save yourself all the time and resource going for a contract that you don't think you've got the chance to win. So those would be my top three uh, priorities. That's great. Well, Paul, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today and uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for listening, everyone.